The bears are circling. All eyes are on the Fed again tomorrow. Will he or won't he raise rates higher and faster than expected? Tomorrow could be the Fed's biggest rate increase in decades. Yesterday's crash officially put the S&P 500 into bear market territory. We kind of saw that coming, but now everyone is starting to worry about recession. Today on Dumb Money, what we're doing, the moves we're making, and a little historic perspective from three dudes who have been through their fair share of bear markets. We are Dumb Money. Three friends who turn $30,000 into $30 million using nothing more than Twitter and a zero commission trading account. The suits that work on Wall Street, they call those people the smart money. That's not us. Our goal is to help level the playing field for everyday investors. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. This is vacation edition of Dumb Money Live. Um, as we normally would, Chris and I always go on vacation together for some reason. Uh, Chris has his vacation shades. <laughs> Dude. But not um, your pink headphones. I, I slept in late this morning, and all I did was watch uh, Meet Kevin and Graham <laughs> Stephan, uh inflation, recession, Market crash episodes. I watched. Yeah, I watched both of them uh, yesterday at two times speed just to get caught up on what happened yesterday, which was insane. Uh, not only was the Nasdaq down ten percent from its uh, high, like or, or from its already slump, slumping uh, time last Wednesday, so ten percent in a week. Every stock in the S and P was in the red at one point. Uh, I think five companies closed positive for the day. Um, we saw Celsius shut down, lock down, at least temporarily freezing assets, and we'll see if they're, they're going to ever be solvent again. But this is a crazy time. But here's the thing, man. I, I, honestly, I did watch a lot of YouTube, finance YouTube, and it's, I think if we, if we could do one thing in this episode, it's like, let's cut through the BS because, you know, if you want to really get down and dirty in terms of running every theoretical macro scenario that could play out with the Fed, with inflation, with recession, with an earnings recession, with um, stagflation. I mean, it's kind of mind numbing. I would start, I I would watch a lot of Meet Kevin's because he's like going deep and like, he's literally going over every single scenario that could play out. But at the end of watching all of that, I was like, all right, so now I'm like I'm now walking away more. I'm walking away yeah. more confused. And I, I have th- a lot of information now. I, I feel like I'm an expert, but what do I do with it? And that's what I think we need to talk about because we've been through this. But, but Dave, on the flip side, you have someone like Graham. But watch a couple of his episodes, and he's basically saying the same thing. Give him credit; mm-hmm. he's been saying for years, which is literally do nothing different. Um, keep dollar cost <laughs> averaging. Keep putting money into your 401k. Keep just keep going. Because historically, we have seen that we've never, you know, any 10-year period, the market, I think only five times in history, you would not have recovered in a 10-year period. And every 20-year period, you would have recovered. You're, you're exactly correct. And that, and that was essentially Graham's most recent episode. So, listen, I'm, I'm a centrist. No surprise there, right? So I, I always think that when you go to the extreme of any type of situation in life, you're probably better off being pragmatic and finding something in the middle. And I, I think, if, you know, we're not financial advisors. This is not our advice, but this is what kind of we're doing and how 
I'm thinking about this because, like, me and Dave yesterday, we were talking about, like, what the hell do we do? Like, literally, right. we were having this conversation <laughs> on the beach yesterday. I don't know what to do with my portfolio. I feel like if I make any move, it's going to be the wrong move. So I've just been sitting tight watching my uh, portfolio value just drop. How about you, Jordan? What, do, what have you done? Um, yeah, so, like, four days ago, I sold short um, the XLY and the XLK. And the XRT, but I covered that one a little early, but I held my shorts through. Oh, I still got them. Um, and that's helped buffer this a little bit, along with being heavy in cash. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I still got hit yesterday. Um, so, but here's the thing. I, I think on a more, on a higher level, the, I think the biggest question, and, and this is, I finally came to this kind of solution for myself, just trying to think about how do, how do I think about this market this summer or on a daily basis. I don't think it's doing the exact same thing we've been doing for the past 10 years, five, 10 years. Um, and don't get me wrong. I think if you're going to choose one or the other, that's probably the, if you're going to have to choose one of the two things to do, do the same thing or do something dramatically different in this scenario, I think I would just do the same thing. But I'm also not going to do something dramatically different in terms of trying to predict the macro moves of this market on a daily or weekly basis. I think there has to be something in the middle in terms of, okay, we spent the last five years levered. Everyone knows that's watch our channel. Uh, in, in some cases, I was 90% levered and then investing in call options. So you could theoretically say I was like 130, 140% levered. Yeah. Nuts, right? So at the same time, so you've delevered everything and now you have hedges in place. It's just a, di it's just a different environment. Shorting the SPY and the QQQ. Well, well, but let's talk about what, what are people thinking about right now, right? Like we're, we're change in real GDP. That's like a big thing that everyone's talking about. Real GDP is most likely to come down right dramatically yeah. in 2023. That's a major problem uh, for company and earnings, right? Also, the terminal rate of funds, which is kind of driving that, is 100% going up, right? Like we know that the, the rates are going up not half a point, but likely three quarters of a point twice this summer, and then some after that. Uh, layoffs, we know layoffs are, are happening. We can discuss in this episode to what degree they're happening. Are they going to maintain just in crypto, go beyond crypto? Yeah, we, we, we just saw that unemployment has kind of hit its new low. 95% uh, of the jobs that were lost during the peak of lockdown have been filled again. But we're switching the other way now. Are we going to get an earnings recession on top of a regular recession? Which would mean that we would have essentially you know, quarters of uh, basically, you know, negative earnings like that, like non-earnings growth. So there's a lot happening now that looks very different from the past five, six, seven years. I think you have to take a different approach, but it's not a daily approach. Like I'm unlevered, I'm hedged, right? Um, I think there are more questions than answers this summer. I think nobody knows what's going to happen. I don't care how good you are at analyzing macro trends. There are too many variables. It's not one thing. It's not like, like if you read articles about what the Fed's going to do the next two days, it's not are they going to do this or that. It's like three or four or five different things that we're looking at. They might do two of these things, two of those things. How is the market going to interpret that? Who the hell knows? Like you can't. You can't say with confidence that you understand no. how this market is going to interpret the, all these various Fed moves and then what degree of layoffs is the, this market expecting? I have no freaking idea. Are they assuming that it's going to do crypto and then a few more outside of crypto? Or is this market already pricing in 
layoffs across every sector, which, by the way, we've I think started. I think is a possibility. Yeah, and I don't well, think we get the market today that Redfin uh, cut like eighteen percent of positions, something like that, like a large amount of positions. But Jordan, um, don't you citing a lot lower um, vo- volume in home? But what are we seeing, even in our private? Like in the private companies that we're invested in, we're invested between the three of us, probably 80 to 90 early stage companies. And we see tons of emails. We see VCs that are recommending do this, do that. I'm seeing potential layoffs that are happening well, in two early things. stage. Once you're seeing layoffs. You're seeing people um, really try to bring in investment dollars at unfavorable um, either you know terms or uh, valuations, right? And so these things are just starting to come across. But, but, but it happens slower in private, right? Because it's like, it's very quantum, how, you know, what, what the valuation and... But know, it's happening, but happens. Jordan, the, the messaging going to these companies that I've seen is profit matters above all else. So companies that were not intended to be profitable this year or next, all of a sudden are doing whatever it takes to slow down growth and yet show, to figure out how to become profitable because that's the only way they think they'll be able to continue to raise money and or survive in a situation where they're not able to raise capital this year, next year at reasonable at reasonable valuations and they need to survive on their own. And to be profitable, you need to lay off. So the question is, do we think that that message, and I think this message is certainly being carried over to public markets, uh, every com- public company is right now thinking, uh, we kind of need to, if they're on the, like Airbnb is on the fringe of like being profitable this year. And I think they'll probably be profitable with their current staffing in place, right? But let's say that things kind of tilt back a little bit. I, I did get a message from one of our community members saying that their Airbnb was like starting to level off a little bit the last week or two. Like if that happens, don't you think Airbnb is going to be like, do we need to show profitability this year? Even if we have to lay off 5%, 10%. I think so many companies are thinking about that. There's no way that mass scale layoffs are priced into this market. Would you agree? No way. Well, I don't know. I think it's maybe expected a little bit just um, as a cost cutting measure, right? Um, and so I think that's where I'm kind of, I, I don't know. I think maybe it's it could be viewed as a positive. You know, is, is well, negative it is it for people? Long term, it is a positive. We've always right. seen that layoffs help with profitability. Layoffs don't help with the economy, right? So, yeah, it's it's this like weird dichotomy where we it want is, it's good and bad, right? So it's bad for those people's budgets and their spending into the economy, but it's you know good for you know cost saving measures. The economy actually, or the Fed needs people to spend less. They need people to have less money so that they can have lower demand for everything. If you really dig into some of the CPI and, and, uh, you know, where inflation and deflationary um, numbers sit, is it really, you know, there, you know, CPI is really coming from a few places um, and most of it's energy, housing, things like that. Um, And so, um, most of the discretionary type spending is already starting to come down. You're seeing um, discounts. Um, you're seeing inventory raising. We saw that at Target. Um, you're seeing discounts on electronics and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, where people are, you know, choosing to spend money, that's dropping. But where people have to spend money, it's getting more. And so it's uh, that's also kind of this dichotomy that's going on. Yeah, where, right where are we now in the interest rates for um, things that are ex- excluding energy? What is our interest rate? Like the, the CPI, X Energy, I don't know. I, I didn't. I don't have that on the top of my head. It's still high because of housing, right? And so housing's still expensive. Yeah. Um, 
listen, I, I don't I don't think it's priced in. I, I think there are way more questions and answers that will play out over the next few weeks to few months unless something significant happens that's off radar, that's unanticipated, that provides a lot more visibility if the Fed does something dramatic. I don't even know what that would be to kind of add more visibility. Because right now, if you look at what the Fed, if you start, I'm not going to run through all the scenarios. This would be a really boring episode. Just what you could watch meet Kevin. He's way better at doing that uh, on his boat <laughs> on vacation. Like he ran through every scenario. But, it, but it, it, in every single scenario of what the Fed might do, well, here's what I took away from it. No matter what they do, whether they announce that real GDP is going to come down realistically all the way down to half of a percent, like no matter what they do, it's going to be a negative for the market is what it seems like in my head. The market's going to interpret it as a negative. They can be truthful with us and honest, right? Or they can show that they're out of touch. Uh, either way, nothing's going to really make the market feel great. But here's the problem. Well, they're true. already out of touch because, you know, it's not – if they raise or don't raise from here and the amount that they raise, I think it's, it, that doesn't really matter for the, you know, for what you're talking about. The policy mistake that they made was not raising sooner, right? And I'm talking like, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago, when things were starting to get red hot, they should have been incrementally bumping up um, their rates at that point. Um, the mistake that they made was continuing to keep rates near zero um, while things were totally out of control. Um, um, and leading us to where we are right now. Um, and so then you're going to make another mistake by by raising rates into a slowing economy, um, which is um, disastrous. And we've not we've not had that. Right. And so most of the time you see that the Fed lowers rates when um, thing, when you see GDP's, you know, and earnings revisions starting to come down, you see the stock market decline 20 percent. Normally, the Fed would be cutting rates. Um, yeah. And right now they're going to they did you know, in 2008, 2009. And sure, and so they're, but they're looking at raising up. even further and faster while we have these things going on. And so it's um, it's like a secondary mistake or just a continuation of the same mistake by being what you could call like pro-cyclical pro instead of counter-cyclical. Like but what matters, Jordan, is I cannot seem to find a single scenario in the short term. And maybe I'll come out at later and say I was wrong. I missed something. In the short term, a single scenario that where the market is going to be like, yes. I mean, we'll, we could get bear market rallies. I'm not we're saying not, that. Yeah, like, we haven't found the bottom, and I can't see a scenario where any time in the near future is that bottom. Yeah, right? well, well, what could the Fed possibly do in the short term to make this market feel really good and have really good visibility? And what could companies do in the short Like, I just don't see anything so they really don't happen. have any like they don't you know theoretically they're not really supposed to care about um you know asset prices right what they're supposed to care about is inflation and um jobs right and so or unemployment and so technically unemployment is still at a low um, and is a high and so really they you know they need to raise um but you know these things can flip really quickly right to where you get um unemployment shooting straight up so here's here's the one scenario that I see the market just flipping and, and starting to head back up is J-Pow tomorrow saying, you know what, we're we're going to slow down the uh, the rate that we're raising these rates. Um, OK, but if he if he does that, Dave, first of all, it seems really unlikely. It's but zero percent. Yeah, yeah. I think. But, but even if he does that, 
don't you think that the that would lead the market to massive confusion and being like, this is going to really be bad then? Yes, yeah. Because because it's like inflation, right? In that situation, inflation is a massive concern for the market, right? Like, so I just don't see a scenario, even if he does that, I don't see that as being super helpful. So wait, listen, on both sides, here's the way I'm looking at it. In one extreme circumstance where we essentially have money printing, which is what we've had for years now. And um, we're still slowly printing money. Yeah. We're not, we haven't even hit the flipping point where yes. money is being sucked out of this market. I'm 70% lever. We all know that. I've been 70% lever for the last few years. In situations that are exact opposite of that, and I think this is the exact opposite, yeah. uh, I am nearly 70%. Uh, hedged, hedged. So I, I, I've been, I've been talking about this on the show for the last couple months. I've been seventy percent hedged for the last couple months. Even at seventy percent hedge, I am getting destroyed. So I can't even imagine if I wasn't seventy percent hedge. Uh, but imagine but, uh, my portfolio <laughs> because I have not been consistently hedged. I've been off and on hedged using uh, options, but I think it's time for me to. I just couldn't do it yesterday because the market was in free fall, and I, I wasn't going to. Just like short something that seemed to have already taken the hit for the day. Uh, I, I, here's the thing. I think I think I'm going to remain between 40 and 70 percent hedge, most likely throughout this summer, unless something dramatic, unless something happens that is off radar that makes me think change my mind. In which case, we should have an episode as soon yeah. as that happens. Oh, for sure. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not still looking. Uh, for opportunities, because I the, the thing that excites me most about bear markets and market crashes in particular um, are that they treat most stocks the same unfairly, right? So everything is coming down the same, more or less, right? More or less, kind of in the same degree. So companies that deserve to get punished because they were ridiculously overvalued for a different world, or companies that are just particularly harmed by this new environment that deserve to get punished or getting punished and other companies that are perhaps not impacted as much or never really were that overvalued are kind of getting punished too. And those are the ones where you can find some great opportunities. Look, we had an episode about my favorite opportunity, Crocs, right? It's there. Like we're not going to talk about it again, but I'm going to continue to look. I don't have fresh money I could add into the Okay. We all know. I don't have a job. None of us do. Okay. So, so the only thing well, I Jordan can, has a lot of cash on the sidelines. Jordan has cash, but I don't have cash on the sidelines. So the only thing I can do is sell something to buy. I have to, it's a trade-off for me to buy something. I have to sell something else in my portfolio. So like for me, I don't love NFTs here. Okay. I've said that I like, I don't, so I'm continuing to kind of sell off some of my NFTs to find little bits of cash to put into the things I like in equity. I also, uh, and looking at other stocks I have, I'm trying to figure out, I'm going to sell some of my other equities to get equities I think that are getting punished unfairly. So if we have more shows in the next few weeks, we're probably most likely to talk about, you know, the best of this bad scenario. Like, like where do we think we can maneuver money in this scenario amongst our long positions, however long that is? Because for me, I'm only comfortable being 70% hedge. For someone else who's younger, honestly, I would say like if I were 20 25, I might be 0% hedged here. Like, I wouldn't even if, be hedged. Yes, if you have the time, I yeah. think that what Graham Stephan says to do makes <laughs> sense. You just keep buying. You put your paycheck into the market every time. It's yes. lower now than it will be 20 years from now. You're making... <laughs> well, you think. That's not financial advice. Not financial advice. Uh, but historically, over 20 years, you're going to be 
I had. Man, here's the thing. I, I continue to believe that I don't see anything other than perhaps uh, this. I hate this move that we've had away from globalization yeah. to, to kind of more national or not national. Big, what's the word I'm looking for here? I have no idea. Oh, the opposite of so, being yeah, so, a so, global yeah, so I, participant. I, I hate that, but honestly, I do not see. Um, I, I don't see anything impeding innovation, continued productivity, uh, technology growth. Like I, I just see this continuing to fuel global growth for the next fifteen years plus. So I feel really good about growth, about the market. I think equities are still the best place to be. If I were younger right now. I would be working 24 hours a day, selling my furniture, doing whatever it took to find cash, to put to, to dollar cost average into high growth, um, whatever it took. I just, I, I don't, I can't do that right now. Yeah, yeah. But I, that's what I'd be doing, just getting more cash. And even if it goes down another 20, 30% from here, which is possible. possible. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we think about crypto? If you were younger, would you continue to have a large portion of your net worth in crypto, or are you? I, I would never have a large portion of my net. Large I, meaning ever okay. in crypto. You, what was your peak crypto allocation? Was what ten percent? Oh no, more than that. I was up to like twenty percent. When you point. talk at NFTs, yeah, twenty twenty plus percent. But here's the thing for crypto, I do believe, and this I've I've only ever had one thesis when it came to crypto, and that was the the. Too big to fail slash FOMO slash replacement of some other pretend, uh, you know, asset like gold. gold. Yeah. Well, like that crypto is better than that. Right. And, and even even Sailor uh, kind of came out and I hate everything that he says about crypto. But even that's kind of his thesis is it's better than gold. It will someday be at least worth what gold is, which is half a trillion dollars. I kind of agree with that. It's probably going to be Bitcoin, right? It's just um, different. It's a different asset class than gold. I hate that people compare it to gold. Gold is has nothing to do with cryptocurrency. I completely cryptocurrency disagree. Cryptocurrency is a huge risk asset that behaves more like... I completely like, disagree you know, with you, Jordan. Not, not the way gold behaves is more like behaves more like uh, speculative tech than it does gold. No way. No yes, way. 100%. You'll look at correlation to speculative tech and you will see it has no correlation to gold. Not it has in the long term. In the short term, if you, you can look at crypto, I think, the same way people looked at gold when it was growing into what it became. But I think ultimately it becomes some type of alternative non-revenue producing asset that is only valued based on what people are willing to value it on because everybody for some weird reason thinks that they need to have half of 1% of their net worth. And I mean, when I say people, I mean family offices and institutions and banks and everyone else for whatever reason, that's the only reason why gold has the value it has today. And I but think- they're also out of it just as quickly. They use it as a speculative asset. It has nothing to do, they're not gonna- Today, to but like, the end game- with Bitcoin like you would with gold. That doesn't make the, any sense. The, when it when gold behaves versus when Bitcoin behaves are two different times. Today, so but ultimately, if you look at the end game, no, for I'm something. talking about any time. I'm talking about any time in the market when the way that gold behaves and the way that Bitcoin behaves are going to be different. Because gold is mature today and has become this thing that I'm talking about, where crypto yeah. hasn't become that yet. But ultimately, what I'm saying is the reason why I think Bitcoin, whether I believe in it or not, has a decent chance of be, being worth $500,000, right? The reason why I think that's 
a possibility and maybe even a likelihood long term has nothing to do with any sort of real value. It has to do with the new world, the new generation choosing when they get the inheritance that's worth $300 million, their family inheritance, right? To Instead of having the half of 1% in gold, which is what so much of that is in right now, they're going to have half of 1% of that in Bitcoin. I think it's a 20-year thing that happens slowly. And so I do want to be back in Bitcoin at some point, but it will never now be. You're in, you're in Bitcoin when things are in a big speculative bubble and you're in... Uh, Gold is an inflation hedge, right? They're just different. I, they're different assets. They shouldn't be currently. Not. You're you're right. People the call correlation Bitcoin between digital gold and text, a very bad, very bad comparison. Um, I, I don't not in the long. I think at some point gold become just yeah. because Bitcoin is not. Uh, it, it doesn't represent the same thing that gold represents today. Doesn't mean that it won't twenty years from now. I think it's on a, a roadmap to getting to that same point. And, and when the average person who's 23, who's a crypto investor for ridiculous or reasons, when that person turns 50, Jordan, they're gonna be looking at crypto the way a 50 year old guy today looks at female today, looks at gold, right? They're gonna look at it the same exact way in 30 years. They're gonna look at it as, as well, I gotta have it for some anti-inflationary asset just in case, it's like, it's, it's so I agree stupid. with you both. Today, I agree with Jordan that the correlation between tech stocks and, and Bitcoin has been proven. But I do think that in the future, because it is basically only valuable because of its scarcity, Bitcoin will be exactly like gold. Yes. And I think – so everyone's probably right here. Um, I don't have any crypto – I do have NFTs obviously still. But I do want to be in Bitcoin again. Uh, Likely I'll be in Ethereum again for the next cycle. I'm not in a super big rush. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Dave, and it's yeah. not based on its inherent internal, you know, you know, value because they don't generate revenue, they don't yeah. generate profits. There's no way to really value it. It's it's more based on the stupidness of the world placing a value on something. That's it. That's it. And we're running out of time, so that is it for today's dumb money. Um, any any last closing remarks? While I try to figure out where the theme song is, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would look, I would keep an eye out for um, additional layoffs. That's the one thing that I really believe is still not being factored into this market, and that would cause me. Well, you know, it wouldn't cause me to do anything because I'm properly hedged. Yeah. And I think if you're not sleeping well right now, take a look at your portfolio and maybe adjust it to the point to where you sleep better, yeah. Dave. I'm and I more. am sleeping just fine. But I'm also <laughs> n- losing more money. I, I think I lost two more houses in the past 48 hours. <laughs> and, and, and guys, let, let, let's continue to look for uh, stocks where there there is uh, 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 a dislocation in pricing. There is an opportunity or social arb trade like Crocs. Uh, so, and when we find those, that is when we will do a high conviction trade episode. But in the meantime, we're going to keep talking about what we're doing and what we've done and, and how. But don't overthink this market. Don't overthink it. No. Don't overthink it, dude. Just like it is what it is. Don't do not do less. I would say do less in this market. Trade less. We've been saying that. And that's why I haven't done anything. And I think I need to do just one thing. <laughs> a little bit of a hedge. But I do need you to do one thing before you uh, click away from this video, and that's smash the like button. Oh, look at that. We've got a whole can bunch you, of likes. Can you show them our view before we leave? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, just take this. This is so great. We're, we're, can we uh, see? Oh, I don't have enough. 
I don't have enough cord. This is uh, the green here at uh, Rosemary. If we look right over here, you can see the ocean. There we go. I got. I have enough cord to get to the ocean now. There we are. Too good of a view. All right. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you guys so much for watching. We are Dumb Money. We will see you uh, whenever we decide to do another show. See you then.